What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 26 of Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Moving right along with this list of the top 25 best baseball games of the last decade. Today, we are on to number 18. And number 18 comes to us from October 6th of 2017, Game 2 of the American League Divisional Series between the Cleveland Indians and the New York Yankees. The Indians came into this postseason as the likely favorites to win the American League for the second season in a row. Had an unbelievable second half. Stumbled a little bit out of the gate, but had an amazing second half, including 22 consecutive wins at one point pretty late in the season, breaking the American League record that had been set by the Oakland A's in 2002. This was a remarkable team, deep offense, great pitching staff. They won 102 games in the regular season. They were going up against a New York Yankees team that was solid, but had overachieved. A lot of people believed coming into the season that they may be one year away from really contending in the postseason. Wasn't the case. They got into the the postseason. They won the American League wildcard game. And despite losing game one of the ALDS in Cleveland, this still felt like anyone's series, but they were going to have a a tough hill to climb because Corey Kluber was on the mound for the Indians. And I feel like it kind of goes overlooked just how unreal and how incredible Corey Kluber was in 2017. Uh, Plain and simple, it might have been the best season I've ever seen by an American League starting pitcher. At the very least, it was one of the best stretches by a pitcher in the American League that I had ever seen. He was just remarkable. Stumbled out of the gate much like the team did. Went on the injured list for about a month, a little bit less than a month, and then came back in June, and in his last 23 starts, 15-2, and 1-6-2 ERA, 224 strikeouts, and 166 and a third innings. Ran away with the Cy Young this season. Now, didn't start game one. I think there was some injury concerns, and uh, that would kind of be a storyline in this whole series, but the Indians had a pretty Solid one nothing lead in this series with their ace on the mound going up against CeCe Sabathia, who was still a solid pitcher, but whose best years were still behind him. You thought that this was going to be probably another low-scoring game like Game 1 was, a 4 nothing affair, especially with, with these two pitchers on the mound, mainly, mainly Kluber. But uh, baseball is nothing if not unpredictable, and that's what this night was. Right away, the Yankees came out swinging. I mean, they, they're up 2 nothing. three batters into the game. Gary Sanchez hits a home run to center, scoring Aaron Judge. The Indians would get one back in the bottom of the first, making it 2-1. And in the bottom of the second, Jason Kipnis would hit a two-RBI single to left to make it 3-2 Indians. And you felt like that was going to be all the lead that Kuber, Kluber I'm sorry, would need on this, on this evening. I mean, he was spectacular all season. He'd been very, very good in the 2016 postseason as well. Struggled in Game 7 of the World Series, but I just chalked that up to just being tired. I mean, he had to carry that pitching staff in the postseason and nearly carried him to a World Championship. He was flat-out fantastic in that World Series until Game 7. So you, you didn't feel like he was ever going to be nervous. This was one of the coldest, most emotionless pitchers that you're going to see on the mound. Never felt like he was going to let any moment get to him. But you get to the top of the third inning, and the Yankees had other plans. Starlin Castro hit an RBI single to make it 3-3, three to three, and then Aaron Hicks, a few batters later, would hit a three-run home run. Corey Kluber gives up six runs in this game in two and two-thirds, an absolutely stunning turn of events for a guy who had been nothing but flat-out dominant throughout a majority of the season. He had one start 
in 2017 in which he gave up six runs. That was against Detroit on April 15th, and in that start, he went six and a third innings. This time, only two and two-thirds. It was his shortest outing of the entire season. The Yankees had completely silenced progressive field. This was a stunning turn of events, and this young upstart Yankees team was all of a sudden looking like a team that that wasn't afraid of anybody. In the top of the fifth, Greg Bird hits a two-run shot. It's eight to three Yankees in the fifth inning in a game started by Corey Kluber. It just, it, shocking, shocking. It seemed like this series had been completely turned on its head. The Yankees were about to take Game two on the road against a guy who was the best pitcher probably in baseball in 2017. But the Indians started to rally back in the bottom of the sixth. Carlos Santana leads off with a walk. Jay Bruce lines out to short. They would then make a pitching change. Chad Green would come into the game. He gives up a fly ball out to Austin Jackson. Jan Gomes then doubles to left, moving Santana to third. But this is where things really started to get interesting because Lonnie Chisenhall would be hit by by an 0-2 pitch in the next at-bat. And Lonnie Chisenhall was not hit by that pitch. That pitch went under his elbow, and instead of being uh, still behind in the count 1-2, all of a sudden the bases were loaded for Francisco Lindor, and this was a colossal error on Joe Girardi's part, not asking or challenging this call, a colossal error. And Joe Girardi, I think, was an elite manager. I think he did a phenomenal job in New York, handled the media well, had a great attitude from an X's and O's strategic standpoint, thought he did a very good job. This was a colossal mistake. And I'm to be completely honest with you, I don't know if he ends up getting fired or part, they mutually part ways after this season, if not for this call. A whole lot of Yankees fans were furious about what happened here, especially when you consider what happened next. Francisco Lindor at the plate gets ahead in the count one nothing, and then this happened. An awesome call there by Matt Vaskersian on MLB Network. You go from an 8-3 to game to an 8-7 to game with one swing of the bat. Chad Green would get taken out. David Robertson would strike out Jason Kipnis, but the damage was done. This entire game and this entire series may have been about to change. The Yankees now only protecting a one-run lead. What happened next? Well, we're going to talk about it when we get back here in a second. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Now, maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale in 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at Withings.com for a limited time. Go to Withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S 
com backslash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. And we're back. So this young Yankees team, while still leading, you could tell that they were feeling the pressure. Now, I will say, I think one thing that's interesting about this is that I think Lindor's home run was such an incredible moment, such a, a, a great moment for that park, for that city, for that team, and for him individually. I mean, this guy was already a star, but this kind of solidified it. But what happened next, I think it's kind of forgotten, because I think there's a lot of people who believe that that home run tied the game. And while it swung momentum completely the Indians' way, they were still down by a run. And you get to the bottom of the eighth, Jay Bruce, who was acquired at the deadline, a really good pickup for the Indians, gets ahead in the count 3-1, hits a game-tying home run to left center field, and now all of a sudden we're right back where we started in a game where almost everything had gone wrong for this Indians team. I forgot to mention Edwin Encarnacion injured his ankle in this game as well, had to be taken out, and it limped off. It wasn't carted off, but had to be carried off by two of his teammates. I mean, this was on the verge of being a disastrous game for Cleveland, and all of a sudden, we're right back where we started with an 8-8 eight to eight game. It would become a pitching duel after that. Andrew Miller dominating for the Indians. Joe Smith, another guy who was acquired at the deadline, pitching very well. this Chapman pitching some good baseball. Cody Allen. I mean, this was a really good back-and-forth affair. And then it became a Dylan Batances and Josh Tomlin game. And Josh Tomlin, who had a solid year in 2016, had a not-so-good year in 2017, came out of the pen and pitched some phenomenal baseball for that team. He came out of the pen for the 12th and 13th innings, and he was great. Went 1-2-3 in both frames. And Terry Francona spoke very highly of him after the game as well. I mean, I love Tito Francona. I mean, I think he's my favorite and and probably even the best manager working today. I think he does such a great job with what he's given. He's a great motivator. He's great with the players strategically. I think he's wonderful. But the way he talked about Tomlin after the game, spoke really highly of him. He described him as having big league balls. And on this evening... I can't help but say that I agree with them. Now, Dylan Batantis was going for the Yankees. The Yankees had a great bullpen this season, but the deeper they got into this game, I think they kind of were starting to run out of pitchers. You know, you you used Green, you used Robertson, you used Canley, you used Aroldis Chapman, and that was kind of Batantis's game, and his pitch count was getting a little bit high. I mean, pitched two frames, no high leverage situations, but pitching in a hostile envi- environment, John Smoltz, who was the color commentator for this game on MLB Network, said that pitching in the postseason, one inning, feels like three. And I think it was starting to wear on Dellen Batantis. He comes out there for his third inning of work in the bottom of the 13th. Austin Jackson, former Tiger, draws a walk. He then steals second base. And Jan Gomes, in a phenomenal 10-pitch at-bat called game. An absolutely bonkers game. You had some tremendous hitting. You had power hitting. You had situational hitting. And you had some really good pitching by both of these bullpens, especially in extra innings. But this game would probably be higher. It re- it probably would. Because when I watched this game, when I watched this go down, I said to myself, that's it. The Indians are going to win the World Series. Moments like this and games like this only happen to teams 
who just have that good juju. And the Cleveland Indians, who for so many years had had the ball bounce not their way so many times, it seemed like things were turning around. Like I said, this was a game where so much had gone wrong for them. Their ace gets blown the hell up. One of your best power hitters gets injured. You're down 8-3. to three, You find a way to win. I was confident not only that they were going to win the World Series, I was confident they were going to sweep the Yankees, who I thought were demoralized. I mean, that was a game that they had to win, especially once they took that lead. You know, you, you have the controversial no review with Lonnie Chisenhall not getting hit by the pitch. You blow a big lead with what had been a pretty reliable bullpen up until that point. An absolutely stunning loss, and it would be higher if the Indians would have gone on to go farther in the in the postseason or make it to or win a World Series. But there's something very bittersweet about this game. It was a magical game, but it turned out to be meaningless. The Indians, who had done nothing but win in the entire second half that year, would lose three games in a row. A one nothing game three. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka was phenomenal in that game. You lose game four, seven to three, and then back home with Corey Kluber on the mound, he gets bombed again, and you lose at home five to two. You know, a lot of people point to the heartbreak of the World Series of 1997 and the World Series of 2016 as being you know, the most heartbreaking moments in Cleveland Indians history. And while I don't blame them for having those takes. I think this one is just as as hurtful. I think this one stings or should sting just as much. This was their year. And look, it's still a good baseball team there in Cleveland, but this was their chance. They had all the pieces in place this season to win a World Series. They had a great offense. They acquired some good pieces at the deadline. They had maybe the best pitching staff in baseball, or at the very least, the best best pitching staff in the American League. They had a dominant back end of the pen with guys like Brian Shaw and Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. This was a team that could have and arguably even should have won the World Series. And after winning a magical Game 2, you kind of choke. I mean, you lose three games in a row to a team that a whole lot of people thought was one year away. And not to take anything away from the Yankees, an unbelievable rally after this painful loss. And Joe Girardi and that team deserved a lot of credit for how they bounced back. But just talking about this particular game, uh, isolated, it does diminish some of the effects of it, knowing that it was kind of all for naught. The Indians would go on to lose the next three, and they haven't won a playoff game since this one, which is kind of shocking because they've had some pretty good teams. So that's going to do it for episode 26. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. If you have any questions for this show, you can email them to me, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And if you're feeling inclined or feeling nice, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a positive review. I would always appreciate the feedback. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We're, we're trying to fight through this and get through this. Got two more days of podcasts this week, counting down this list. I, I love to hear your guys' feedback. Let me know what you think of this list so far, what you thought of this game. What was your experience watching some of these ball games? I would love to know what uh, how people experienced all these different games, because I think it's kind of what makes baseball special is, is the moments and the memories. So thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.